Week three of the Best Of Show. Thanks for checking it out. Really appreciate it. Got some interesting stuff on it today. A conversation first with Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports Shutdown Corner about a post he wrote for that site, a column he wrote, uh, some real, actual investigative reporting he did on why Chad Kelly of Ole Miss was disinvited to the NFL Combine. I would tell you to read the story first. I explained it a little bit on the show, but didn't include all of the explaining in this podcast. The extremely short version is he's had some off-the-field incidents. He was invited when the NFL did more background research on them. They decided to change course and disinvite him. So talk to Eric about that, and then my thoughts on kind of that and that topically as a whole, unspecific to Kelly, is in this here podcast then, in studio, Brian McNally, our Redskins beat reporter, the latest on what is going on with them and what he'll be doing at the NFL Combine this week since the Redskins aren't letting anybody talk. Uh, wrap up the show with the usual nonsense, real things, real people said in real microphones. Hello, JaVale McGee. That's all over the next hour in your earball. My pleasure to bring in now the man who wrote the story. We started the show discussing Eric Edholm. Yahoo Sports shut down corner. The story is why Chad Kelly got disinvited from the NFL Combine. Double E, appreciate the time this morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. What's going on? Just uh, getting ready for Combine Week, which is always, always fun. Uh, I was hoping to get out there. Uh, didn't didn't wind up working out, but... Uh, I'll, I'll leave it to you, pros, to, to cover cover all this mess. Um, so I've already recapped the story for everyone, so I won't I won't have you do that. I want to ask you opinion-based stuff based off of this story, and then obviously if you can add any more detail or any detail you need, sure. deem necessary along the way, you can. Um, do you think the NFL – I'll ask you the, the non-leading, non-partisan version of this question. Do you think the NFL made uh, the right and a sensible decision to disinvite Chad Kelly from the NFL Combine? Well, I think the problem is the inconsistency. And so if they, if let's assume they did make the right decision in this case, then I think you start asking, okay, well then, so why is Devontae Fields uh, of Louisville, who was kicked out of one school because of an incident, and in both cases with him and, and D.D. Westbrook, the receiver from Oklahoma, they both had domestic violence incidents that were later played down to where the charges were dropped and they did community service or whatever. So, you know, in my mind, they were still accused of something pretty serious, still had to, you know, serve something for doing for doing that. You know, this, this umbrella has got a few holes in it that the umbrella that the uh, league is cast. And so there's still some leaking. There's still some water getting through a little bit on this. And, you know, the NFL knew about Chad Kelly's fight back in 2014. I mean, everybody did. It was widely reported. It was Jim Kelly's nephew, whatever. So what did they discover in digging into that file that led them to uninvite him? You know, that's, that's I guess, the question I have. Is there something else there? Because the court records are still right now, and we can't, we can't find that information out, and the league isn't saying. So there's just that, that inconsistency right now. It's interesting for me because I am typically of the ilk of, like, if you make a mistake like this, I, I have a real hard time feeling sorry for you. Uh, and kind of the, the, the consequences are what they are. But as you say, and I think this is a really, really good and interesting point you make in the article, this, this is to no benefit of the teams. If, if they are going to be able to talk to a player and make a decision for themselves, it would benefit them to allow these players 
to come. So why is it that you think the NFL is not doing that to the detriment of their teams? Yeah, I mean, I agree 100% because there are 330-plus players at the Indianapolis Scouting Combine. Only 255 or something will be drafted, and a portion of those picks will be will come from guys who aren't invited to the Combine. So really, there's only about 210 or 20 of the players in Indy who will be drafted. So it's not like getting to the Combine stamps you a draft pick, you know. And, and I think you have to look at it from a certain perspective of are they, this isn't a privilege necessarily. This is a job interview. And if you have things in your background, like Chad Kelly most certainly does, he's got some serious red flags on his, uh, on his uh, you know, dossier that goes all the way back to high school. And people still suggest that he's got issues now, even though he hasn't been arrested or anything in the last couple of years. So, yeah, I would think being in a situation where you go into one of these dark rooms for one of these these 15-minute interviews you have with the team, and they pelt you with questions. I've talked to players about it a lot of times. They say, you know, when you've got skeletons in your closet, they hit you hard, and they hit you relentlessly, and it's not a fun experience. And then you get trotted out in front of the media, and we're going to hit you hard as well. So, to me, I, I understand the perception of what the league is saying. Hey, we don't want to reward these guys. We don't want to give them a free workout and a trip to India, all this stuff, but... At the same time, I think it does benefit the teams, and they can say, "Listen, we didn't we didn't trust this guy. We don't like his answers. You know, this is actually a negative in this case. So it, it's more perception than it is kind of uh, an actual job uh, benefit of some sort." I guess when. Um... Albert Breer, I think, was the one who tweeted this this morning in response to your story that basically this the reason they do this is to not screw up their TV show because the NFL Combine is now a TV show. Do you agree with that? Right. Yeah, I mean, this this thing has now become wall-to-wall. And we, we watch workouts of every single position, you know, starting, I think, on this year. I think it starts Friday. And I believe it goes through all the way through Tuesday. So I think they've actually added a day of workouts this year. I, I, I believe it used to start on Saturday. So they're now leaking into the week before to try to get any kind of Friday boost. And then they're they're wrapping over into the next week, which means they've got to spill more time. They've got to spend more time talking about each player. And, you know, I mean, they can say, well, he's got some character questions he has to answer. They can kind of gloss it over when, when one of these troubled players comes up. But, you know, the smart viewer is going to say, well, what character questions? And they're going to do their own digging, and they're going to read stories like the one I wrote, or they're going to read stories like others have written about players. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's become more of a a, a glossy pig a little bit, you know, where they try to buff it up and make it look pretty and put it out there. But we really know that there are more stories than just 40-yard dashes and, and bench presses. So, yeah, I think the TV element has a lot to do with that. I didn't get into that in the story much, but but, yeah, there's no question that this is a big part of it. Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports Shutdown Corner blog is with me, Craig Hoffman, here on 1067. The fan, you can read his combine coverage. And, really, Eric is a must-read leading up to draft time uh, all throughout the next couple of months. Um what at this point is there any kind of consensus on what teams do with a player like Chad Kelly, a player like Joe Mixon, um, and I guess Mixon probably would be the better example here. Clearly, a talented football player, but clearly the incident that he had is is I mean it's it's the Roy Rice thing all over again, except for he did it yeah. while a college kid, um, and now that the video's out, like I'm stunned that 
at, at some of the people who are just say, oh, yeah, no, he still should be a high draft pick. But what do you do? Because by the same token, you look at, say, how the Chiefs season changed with Tyreek Hill, and there's going to be yep. some football people going like, man, I know it's going to suck, but when he starts scoring touchdowns, uh, our our team is going to do better. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. Let, let, in the case of Kelly, who may be a, a late pick, I mean, I don't think he'll go much higher than, I don't know, you know, the sixth round or fifth, fifth sixth, seventh round, something like that. So in the case of Mixon, we're talking about a player who, if he had a clean background, I mean, if he had no incidents whatsoever, you know, is a top 40 pick. He's Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he's, he's that kind of a back where, boy, you're considering him late in round one. You're, you're talking about him in the same range that – we now are talking about Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey and people like that. And, you know, maybe just a half a notch below Dalvin Cook. And, look, Dalvin Cook's got some, some character questions that he's got to answer in Indy, too. Those are things that are widely known by NFL people as well. So, really, you could almost put him in the same category as, as, as Cook. So, what they do is they start working on the owner now. You go to your owner and you say, hey, listen, I've got this player I like. He's in Oklahoma. He had this incident back in 2014. I'm sure you've seen the video. Because some of these owners, you know, obviously they're businessmen and they don't necessarily follow the football stories. But in his case, big story, right? And you kind of start seasoning him a little bit. All right, what are your feelings? Is this somebody who we can bring in if we like him, blah, blah, blah. And then you go to the pro day, which is going to be a few days after the combine, March 8th. You watch him work out. You see how he handles uh, stuff behind the scenes there. And then you probably spend one of your 30 visits. Every NFL team gets 30 player visits where you can bring him in and you spend basically a day and a half with him. You pick him up at the airport and you can recreate that combine setting and do so over a longer period of time. You know, you can meet with him for eight hours if you want. You can talk X's and O's or you can get down to the nitty gritty and say, hey, we're really concerned about this, this, you know, the, 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 the optics of this thing. And that's probably the best way to get it done is to have a multi-tiered approach towards vetting his character. So, you know, there are certain owners who will say, absolutely not. You know, we take a stand against domestic violence. This is not something we're going to endorse. You may have him as your number one player. Sorry. There are other owners who are willing to listen. And there are some who are saying, yeah, if, if he's worth the risk in your mind, I can back you on this. I'll, I'll, I'll step up and do it. So to me, it takes a little bit of an ownership approval. And then it takes a general manager who, who's maybe got a little bit of a risk-taking side to him and feels good about his character. Eric Getholm on Yahoo Sports Shutdown Corner blog. This story is really, really interesting. There's a million other combine things that I could ask you about, too, that I want to, but I'm out of time. So we'll do this again uh, in the next few weeks. And uh, as you go to the combine and then get ready for draft time, your stuff is always awesome this time of year, man. Look forward to reading it, and uh, we will definitely be in touch frequently. Thank you, buddy. I really appreciate you having me on. Always, always. Eric Edholm, Yahoo Sports Shutdown Corner on Twitter. At Eric underscore Ed Home, he's really good. Like the, a lot of guys, like like Albert Breer, and, and and these guys are better well known as writers. And just Eric consistently just cranks out awesome stuff. And I'm lucky that a long time ago on the radio, I was able to hear him and go, "Who's that guy?" And then and then he answered an email, and that was like five years ago. And I've had him on ever since because he's awesome. Greg Hoffman with you on 106.7 The Fan.
discussing a story written by my friend Eric Edholm of Yahoo Shutdown Corner Blog, who just joined us on the show. Chad Kelly was disinvited from the NFL Combine after the NFL did a background check on him and discovered some things they did not like about a June 2015 incident with Kelly at a bar. Kelly, the quarterback from Old Miss, originally went to Clemson, was thrown off that squad for conduct detrimental to the team. Of course, he was competing with Deshaun Watson at quarterback, and um, he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't going to win that battle. So that's a fun a fun uh, addition. Clearly, that one worked out all right for Clemson and for Watson, who's going to be a top fifteen pick coming up in the draft coming off of a national title. But how the NFL handles players like Kelly is interesting to me and Joe Mixon and D.D. Westbrook, and there's a lot of players, and we find out about this stuff now. I mean, just last night, Baker Mayfield, quarterback from Oklahoma, is going to be back next year uh, for OU, gets arrested. We know pretty instantly. Reporters are on top of these things. You go through the... uh, the arrest warrants, and now it's not just a little local story, a blurb in the, in the local paper because of the nature of social media and the internet and how news spreads. We now get to find out because that reporter tweets it out. Some national reporter who follows that local reporter tweets it out, and all things local can become national fairly instantly. When it comes to Kelly, he's, in a, in a way, embodies the difficulty that the NFL has had quote-unquote, prosecuting all kinds of crimes. What do you do with with a guy like Greg Hardy, who, technically speaking, has no charges on his record? You read what Greg Hardy did to a woman named Nicole Holder, and it's horrifying. Straight-up, goosebumps, chills, nauseous, empty-feeling, horrifying. He was convicted... Of doing these things. And then, because of the way the state of North Carolina works, when he filed an appeal for his domestic violence conviction, and it was, and then Holder, the victim, doesn't show up for court a second time around, because why would she want to go through that again? Or perhaps Hardy paid her off. That's that's a commonly held theory. Whatever the reason, she doesn't show up. They can't get a second conviction. Hardy wins on appeal, and it goes away. Empty record. Okay, well, either the things happened or they didn't. And legally speaking, that's how the system works. Innocent until proven guilty. Or innocent, guilty, and then innocent again, because you can't prove it again. That's the state of North Carolina. For Kelly, he had a, what the NFL said is he had good lawyering. He did a terrible thing, and then those lawyers were able to get it down on a plea deal. And the plea deal, if you just read what's on the paper, it's equivalent to like a parking ticket. That's what's going to get this guy not sent to the NFL Combine? And, And Danny tweets me, says, in this day with all the shootings, I think even joking about that when drunk, again, Chad Kelly said, I'm going to get my go to my car, get my AK-47, and spray this place. Even joking about that when drunk was enough for the NFL to uninvite him. And maybe, maybe they knew that 
the more people dug into Kelly, that quote would come up and it's like, whoa, that guy's allowed at the combine? But I think to just say you've done something, like, I believe in second chances. This is a bigger philosophical thing for me. I believe in second chances, and especially when someone's young. You're young and you're dumb and you do something young and dumb. While I can look back and say, man, I, I don't think I would have ever done that. And I think a lot of us would look back and say, yeah, we might have we might have done some dumb stuff when we were young and drunk, said something stupid, but hopefully it was just like amongst friends and it was a goofy little thing. I didn't get, any, I didn't get bar fights with bouncers or anyone else. Like, it's not, I, I don't think it's that hard to avoid. But, Okay. Fine, you're a big, tough football player and somebody rubs you the wrong way and who knows how these things escalate. Bars late at night are testosterone-filled messes, right? You don't become a bouncer because you, you're just into public safety. Nah, you're looking for the chance to throw someone. Who knows? Whatever. But whether it's... Something dumb like that, to putting the, the comment aside, what he said is obviously problematic on a ridiculous level. But whether it's that or even what Joe Mixon did, what Ray Rice did, the most, one of the most demeaning things you could ever do to a human being, one that f- should wind you in jail because that's what the legal system, how, how it should work, but often does not because crimes of domestic violence are really, really hard to prosecute for a litany of reasons, which I won't go into now because they're nuanced and complex. And if you want to learn more, please do. Being smarter about this stuff is good to understand statistically how domestic violence works and elevates and can often lead to worse crimes like murder. And I don't say that coyly. Like that's a lot of times how domestic violence elevates. That's why if you'd want to, if something like that happens, if, if Joe Mixon did what he did and is caught on video, I'm cool with it. I, I, if I'm an owner of an NFL team, I go, I'm not employing that guy unless, unless he's rehabilitated. You don't just get the second chance. And that's the thing that bum, not bums me, it drives me nuts about the way the NFL is. Because we equate sports success and fame in ways that are troubling societally. Like, we, we let, hey, but he's good at football. Hey, but he's good at basketball. Hey, but he's good at baseball. And, and while I think if you asked someone, hey, does being good at football dismiss you being a garbage human like anybody when asked that question that way would say no no it does not but we do it in ways societally that are subconscious and so unless joe mixon has gone through rehab whether that's anger management or domestic violence like there there's such a thing as rehab for domestic abusers where they under, they are taught to understand the impact of their actions 
then yeah, I would I would draft Joe Mixon, but I, I don't. I, I've never been led to believe that Mixon's gone through any of that. It's what it it is what bums me out about Ray Rice. Ray Rice isn't in the NFL not because he knocked out his his then fiance now wife. Ray Rice isn't in the NFL because in his final year he wasn't that good. And if you have that kind of and because Roger Goodell somehow made what is an unimaginably bad situation worse from a public relations standpoint by screwing up the suspension and Rice became so toxic that that level of toxicity overwhelmed whatever talent he may have had remaining. But Ray Rice afterwards, as far as we know, did everything right. He is an activist now against domestic violence. He went to rehab. He is trying to turn the darkest moment of his life into not not something good. No, no, no. To prevent other people from having that moment. Or having that moment again. So, when I see someone like Ray Rice not get a chance, and you're going to see Joe Mixon get drafted, or Tyreek Hill get drafted, and these, these guys that never never made an effort or don't have an ongoing effort to right their wrong as much as you possibly can, even though you can never really get back even, then, yeah, I, I, have, I have issues with that. And the NFL giving them the platform to do what they do and to be famous and to, and to buy equity with their, their football, their sports skills. But at the end of the day, legally speaking, it's not really, it's kind of up to the teams to decide if they want to employ those players. And the NFL Combine being a TV show instead of the actual job interviews that it's supposed to be prevents and and it means that those players should be there. But, you know, the NFL is not, paying them to go to the combine. I mean, they're paying for the trip and stuff, but it's it's not like they've given them the job. That's how job interviews work. You interview, people decide good, bad, indifferent to your positives and your negatives, and then they decide to offer you a job or not. And so the NFL is kind of doing itself a disservice to its teams by not inviting some of these guys to the combine because they don't want them being talked about on TV even though they're going to be talked about on TV and obviously here on the radio. Greg Hoffman with you on 106.7. The fan in studio, our Redskins beat reporter, Brian McNally. He used to be brought to us by Sandwich Shop. Now he just shows up on his own accord, which is, <laughs> which is lovely. Um, so, so you're going to the Combine, which is fantastic. What, what are you going to do there? Because there's a list of media availability that came out today and and there's no Redskins availability on it. Oh, no uh, you know, they, at the combine, you you know the way it works, Craig. It's uh So, it's it's most coaches and most GMs will get time, you know, 15 minutes, 10-15 minutes at the podium. John Elway will talk and Jason Garrett and uh pretty much a who's who other than Bill Belichick of uh, of NFL coaches and exact okay. yeah. Belichick wouldn't say anything Bill. anyway. He just get up there and mumble <laughs> about how we just we just won the Super Bowl. So, so honestly, you all can screw off. He's saying he's saving everybody time. He's saving right. the Patriot reporters right. time. But no, so we're not going to get um Scott McLuhan, Jay Gruden nope. or uh 
Bruce Allen, we may get uh, if we can track him down. Uh, so all we have to do is find him in the labyrinth of hallways that is the Indy Convention Center, and uh, and we'll try to talk to Bruce as well. And uh, he'll have some news for us because that'll be uh, more than likely after the franchise tag has been right. slapped on Kirk Cousins and um, free agency will be just days away and we can maybe get some info on where they're at with their receivers and, uh, you know, how they figure on uh, on building this roster for, for 2017. That really, really gets started this uh, coming Tuesday and uh, and through Monday. It's a big week for the Redskins. How much money would it take you to ask him to spell Kirk Cousins' first name? A dollar. I may. I may I'll give you anyway. a dollar. Maybe I should up that. Then the demand is probably high. I'll, I'll maybe. We, I mean, I think you could go at least. 50. You get a number that I wouldn't be willing to pay because I'm broke. But but like we got other people at the station that that I don't, like if you went to the fan live, I, didn't Chad give someone a hundred dollars to give him a beer? I think was, I think hundred bucks maybe in Dukes's wheelhouse. Yeah, he's got a, so he's got I, a pool. So I, think, I think yeah, I think I think we could get Dukes to pony up <laughs> some money and and then just it. ask him because it's it's Kirk Cousins, not Kurt Cousins. There's a K in there. That's kind of been a thing. Um, and I would love to have Bruce acknowledge the fact that he doesn't know the quarterback that he's about to not sign stupidly uh, to. Uh, to, to not know his name. Um, I saw on, on Grant's Twitter page an interesting um, an interesting analogy. He went on a radio station, uh, I'm guessing it was our sister station out in Cleveland, 92.3 The Fan, yep. and you know, trying to explain to them why the Redskins haven't signed Kirk already is like trying to explain to a starving person why you won't eat the perfectly good food, food <laughs> in front of you, even if it's not your favorite dish. When you talk to people around the league, agents, other team personnel, is that the general sense of it? Like, they look at what is going on here and don't understand why this isn't done already? To a certain extent. I think, Craig, they get the Redskins' hesitancy last year. I mean, this is a unique situation, for sure. Yes. So they understand at the time last year the Redskins weren't willing to to uh, you know break the bank for Kirk after what— we can agree it was 10, 11 really, really good games, right? Yeah. He had the 24 I mean, the back half of the season, he was the second-best quarterback in football. But, but yeah, yeah that very, I the mean, first tw- half of the season also existed. Twenty, It did exist, and it took him some time to get going, and, and finally he got going, and uh, I think fair to say built on that this year. Um, so the Redskins, you understand, last year, maybe the, sol- the smaller sample size, they're a little reluctant, and maybe this year they say, well, he's not quite in that tier. He's not quite in that... We don't want to pay him this, um, knowing that he isn't a top five quarterback. And I, I get that, and I think a lot of people around the league get that. But the issue there is that you don't get to decide that leverage. That leverage is there because Kirk blew up at a time when it was, you know, most beneficial to him. And now he is a year away from free agency, essentially, because they're probably not going to franchise tag him a third time. And uh, and I think people around the league kind of, um, I'm trying to think the the way to put it. They kind of feel for the Redskins in a way. They're like, look, that's not an that's not an easy decision to make. But then they say, look at Cleveland, look at San Francisco, look at the places where it's the the position is a disaster, and bite the bullet and and pay what pay more than you're willing to pay. Maybe not to an extreme level, but. Make it hard for Kirk to walk away from this. Make it hard for him. And I think that's where they are. They have to make it difficult for him to say, all right, I, I'm I'm." They have to make an down. offer good enough that if he turns it down, they know he really doesn't want to be here. Yes. 
do that and whatever that is. And and honestly, I think he would still, as long as the stability is still there with the coaching staff and and they have a good year next year, you know, maybe there's a chance you could re-sign him on the open market. It'll be at an inflated price. Right. But but maybe you could say to yourself, well, damn, he led us to the playoffs again and we kind of ha- we really have to pay up now. And and you can there are other ways to do it. They can transition tag him and do some different things. But you know, I, I think for the most part around the league, it's uh, wow. I'm I'm super thankful I'm not in that position. <laughs> Brian McNally's in studio with me, Craig Hoffman here on 1067. The fan, of course, read BMAX work at thefandc.com, where you can also listen to this and all other of our radio programs. Um, I've heard from both. I, I, it's not even both sides. Kind of like I've heard it from the sides themselves. I've heard it argued both ways that the franchise tag helps the leverage of Cousins, that it helps the leverage of the team. We we assume that the tag itself is going to come by the deadline on March first at four p.m. So assuming it does, what does that do to the leverage for a long term deal? It's a great question. Uh, to me, it it decreases it a little bit um, because. Maybe not even a little bit, maybe by a lot. I mean, you kind of work through these things in your head as you're taking different sides of the argument. But right. to me, it isn't It isn't that, so you franchise tagged him, and he's happy, and he gets to play in 2017 on a $23.9 million contract, and that's amazing, and he'll have pocketed $44 million essentially. But the issue there is, what is he? what's the incentive for him other than you coming and giving him the godfather offer and saying, Here's Andrew Luck's contract. Please take it. Um, if you're not willing to do that, what is his willingness to go below that? Because if he gets to the open market now, and now in in March of 18, Andrew Luck's contract's in the rearview mirror. Aaron Rodgers' contract might as well have happened in 1776, yeah. right? It does not matter. The cap is good. The cap in I can't say this for sure because we never know exactly. Cap's going to be 168 this year. It's probably going to be close to 180 next year. Wow. Okay? That's the the simple fact of the TV dollars that are still flowing in and um, and all that. So if you're Kirk and his agent, unless you really, really want to be here and say to yourself, this is a championship team 12 months from now, your incentive on July 10th to me is not is not great. I mean, because you're one season away. And the only real risk to you is injury, right? At that point, um, right. you have two coaches out there who know you and would want want your services, right? And in 2018, if the golf experiment no goes question. badly in LA this year, then Sean might go. All right, I know we spent the number one pick on him two years ago, but that wasn't my call, and yeah. I don't think this guy's Rams, worth anything. The Rams are in much better position after two years to move on from Jared Goff than a team normally would be because of the changes in coaching and right. front office and all that stuff. I think it's interesting because I, I think it really doesn't, I, I, it gives the Redskins a little leverage, right? Like you're, we're not going to pay you more than the franchise tag. Um, it, for Kirk though, he could argue back, well, I'm not going to take anything less. So then maybe the franchise tag value becomes kind of the average annual value of, of the deal. But I think it comes down to this. Like, I don't think it affects the the likelihood of a long-term deal being done because they're either going to agree on a number or they're not. All it is is a fallback, Fair. and it's a fallback for both sides. Fair. And I don't I don't know. What do I know? I'm just a guy no, who talks that, in a microphone. That, um, that's I'm, why, and honestly, that's why going into the Combine, and 
maybe I'm wrong on other sports. This is like the most fascinating contract um, discussion going right now. Maybe there's something in the NBA that's better. I can't come. I up, mean, there, there. It's kind of. In the NBA, there's like the concept of a max player. And it's like, what's a max player? Well, different players at different maxes. And so, like, you look at how could LeBron James be a max player and Otto Porter potentially become right. a max player. And there's like there's there's stuff like that all the time, but it's it's a market value thing. But there's nothing I mean, there's restricted free agency in the NBA, um, and guys make offers and there's been a couple of interesting contracts a couple of years ago, and this is getting deep into the weeds, but I I can explain it fairly concisely like Jeremy Lin's contract in Houston when he was coming off of Lin Sanity with the Knicks they did what they called a poison pill contract and it was like 8 million 8 million and then 24 million in the final year of the deal you can stagger it like that and play tricks and the Knicks were going like we don't want to pay him 24 million in the third year of the deal and the Rockets were like we don't care because their cap situations were different yeah and so there, there are things like that that are completely unique to the CBAs of each sport. But like in terms of an actual decision, because I think this is the other thing too. I've always wanted a team to do this. I've always wanted a team to go like, no, we're not paying that guy that much just because we're supposed to. Like conceptually, I've always wanted a team to do this. I just think this is the wrong case. Like this guy has earned it. This guy should get that contract. This isn't the case where that should happen to me. And and you can then go even a step farther in that the contract that you think you're overpaying won't be that bad, right? Because you have other guys. You have Matthew Stafford. You have um, Derek Carr. Right? Will come up for an those are the two. Those Matt are, Ryan's a year and a half, two years away. Okay. I mean, this quarterback market in 2019, when you're in year essentially, um, you know, year two or three of a new Kirk deal, will look relatively like a bargain as long as he keeps his the Tannehill deal is is one of those where the Ryan Tannehill's deal in Miami kicks in this year the 19 million dollar one the four years 96 million oh my god how did they sign it then the the guarantees wound up being yeah. way less that doesn't kick in until this year and guess what Ryan Tannehill he's every bit as good as Kirk Cousins it's going to make probably about four million less than him this year right that's nuts that's looking ahead now and and I get that the Redskins were in a different position because they didn't necessarily need want to commit to Kirk after last year. So it was tough for them to do the deal last year because it was too much based on too little sample size. And it's tough for them to do it this year just because the number has jumped so much and you're going to cap him, you're going to uh, franchise him and all that. So it's it's a fascinating argument. I love I love going back and forth on it. All right, uh, let's let's stop the quarterback conversation sure. and let's let's do some Deshaun Pierre and actual combine That's, conversation. Absolutely, uh, that'll be next on the fan. Brian McNally in studio with me, Craig Hoffman here on one zero six seven. The fan. All right, a couple more minutes, then you gotta you gotta run. Um, so we talked about Kirk, and we're done with that. Uh, Deshaun Pierre, is there anything new? There's some reporting that suggests maybe the Redskins are focused more on Pierre than Deshaun. It seemed like your reporting last week and Pierre's Instagramming last week said they're done with Pierre. Right. And it seems like because Deshaun was actually at the facility, maybe they were focused on Deshaun. Right. Do we know anything new? Uh, no, what we know is that the combine's a big week. What we know is that... <laughs> okay. the, that, that so, so no, nothing new, but no, expl- nothing, explain where we are. Well, nothing new, but but both sides um, remain open. Like... like you. It'd be too soon to close the door on either player. Do I think both are coming back? No. Do I think one could come back if they have gotten themselves together here in the last week and said, this is the one we're going to prioritize? Certainly it doesn't seem like Pierre is that player based on you know what, what we're hearing, but both guys are going to no doubt go to free agency. Both guys are going to have different kind of markets. Pierre is going to have 
probably a, a base level of four to five teams that are like, we can really use that skill set. And they're going to sell him on, we're not going to use you the way the Redskins did. We know you can do more than they think you can do. Um, Deshaun is much more straightforward. We are going to pay you to be the, take the top off the defense. We're going to give you the cash you want. They're going to show him the love. He's going to fall in love with the play. Deshaun's my favorite because he goes on radio. He'll go on Adam Schefter's podcast, right? Yeah. He'll say, God, I love Andy Reid. Andy Reid's the best. And, man, isn't Philly great? I love playing in Philly. What a great story that would be. I love Redskin Park. Everyone in there is amazing. I love Kirk. Deshaun is just playing the game. Like, he's, yeah. he's doing it. I'm almost entertained by it. Like, I love that his agent set it up this way. He is going on tour, and he wants to be – courted and he's a star man he's a star and 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 you can't blame him for that and this is his last chance to really do this p but pierre i mean i he's not unwilling to come back here if the redskins make a late run he'll he'll uh he'll listen he will listen so you can't i can't sit here for for sure and say they are both gone um especially if they prioritize one over the other and really make a hard run at them but i mean craig it you, you're now you're now into open ocean, right? You're now into where any other team can come in and make a godfather offer or go, Hey Pierre, we'll give you 12 million this for, and you know, yeah. and structure the, the deal this way. And Deshaun, you're right. You should make more than Tavon Austin. This is garbage. Here it <laughs> is. You know what I mean? And, and that, that stuff will, all it takes is one desperate team for either one. Right. And they're going to get, you know, as long as it's not the Browns or someone they really don't want to go to. Right. They're, they're going to, you know, have the, the, Neither one will have a qualm about moving on. And right. that doesn't mean the Redskins are out of it, but it does mean that they've kind of squandered their advantage, inherent advantage, which was uh, being able to talk to these guys for the last month, and they chose not to. So that, to that me, just, speaks volumes. just seems insane to me. Like, why not Why not at least make the PR look better? Oh, because they don't really do that well. Uh, that's why. Brian McNally in studio. Uh, he's going to be, again, at the NFL Combine next week. So, what what is the most important thing that happens at the combine? And we all we all you know we'll watch the underwear Olympics portion on TV. Sure. But what what's is that? Are the drills or that is that actually the most important part? What's the, what's the most significant thing that happens at the NFL? No, combine? I, I don't think I think it's the wheeling dealing behind the scenes, the the measurements and stuff. That is an, an important component. Um, you find out a guy is six three and a half and not six five. You find out uh, Derek Barnett of Tennessee is actually way slower than you thought he was. You know, and pro days, you're building an information, you're building a, to use a term in the news lately, a dossier, right? Yeah. You're building one on, on whoever and you say. A fully verifiable dossier. (laughs) Exactly. So you're saying, okay, this guy's a little shorter than we thought. Um, He's not as fast as we thought, or he's faster than we thought, or it doesn't match up with tape that we've seen. Let's go back and take another look at him. Pro days are going to play into this. So it's not, the combine isn't the end all be all for these players. It's important. But you're going to have other opportunities to, to build on what scouts and execs know about you, right? Um, but the behind-the-scenes stuff is, is where stuff gets done. The, you know, I can tell you this 100%. The Sean McVay to L.A. move, that was set up last year at the Combine. Not set up mm. specifically, I'm going to L.A., but the, the conversations that put that into motion, the conversations that said this is a guy to watch, that stuff comes at the post post hours at the combine is where people start. They have those conversations. Now are you talking the, the, I'm not saying it's Sean specifically or his agents or whatever specifically, but are you talking the principals? Are you talking agents, both? I'm talking everybody. 
everybody. Jay Gruden can play as big a role of that as as Bob Lamont, their agent, right? Mm. Bob could be out talking to people. That's fine. Sean is meeting and greeting execs he may not know, and they say, it's a guy I want to bring in for an interview. And then when they bring him in for an interview right. a year later, he kills it and then has a job. Um, it's networking, just like in any other it's, industry. It's networking just like anything else. And and that the same goes with agents, right? If the Redskins suddenly go, you know what? We got to have one appear to Sean back. That conversation is going to have, you know, happen at the combine um, and numbers. It, it then becomes real. Numbers start getting tossed back and forth. Um, you're interviewing the players. The the player interviews are, are huge, especially for someone like Scott McLuhan, who puts so much stock in getting to know his players. And um, you've seen how he's treated Junior Gallette the last couple of years because he feels a bond with him. Right. That's that's. That stuff all matters as well. If, if a guy bombs this interview or isn't prepared or doesn't seem engaged, that all goes in the dossier too. So all of that stuff matters, um, and, and, and the behind-the-scenes stuff probably means a little bit more to me anyway than at the Underwear Olympics, as you called it, where does a quarterback hit 25 of 30 throws or 27 of 30? Like That yeah. stuff is kind of important, but you know, execs, generally know where where they are on a lot of these guys and and they're just kind of adding to their information yeah i would i would take much more out of private workouts uh i mean not necessarily private workouts i mean you guys gotta look prepared yep you know 100%. that and and in part it's like okay how seriously are you taking that's this? that's it too like did did he prepare for the combine right or did he just kind of you know take this take a couple weeks off after the season and then honestly if i was a player i would just keep doing football drills and say like and then the, the, then I'm, when i was not prepared just be like I was focused on becoming a better football player, and I don't care about if I, if I can run a fast forty. Scott would. I would. I would. Yeah, and yeah, I, I would tell, probably be fired up. Over I would. I would tell McClue in that, and he'd be like, "Scott, I'm a football player. You'd that's probably, that's free advice. Uh, like, from, son, son, you're on, you're on my board. Yeah, that's, from me from me to to guys that have already spent all of their time this offseason getting ready, and clearly they're all listening to the show right now. So it's uh, a, it's a convention. Yeah. It's an NFL convention, yeah. and it's it's fun, and it's, you know, everybody in the league will be there. Execs, coaches, scouts, they're all there, and there's a lot of chatter that goes on behind the scenes. It's good stuff. So let me ask you this. I don't know if you know the answer um, or not, because I don't know how many people really know this answer, and, and even the principals might give different answers. Let's say you're Kirk's agent. Or, or your Deshaun's agent or Pierre's agent. And you decide, all right, I need to have a talk with the Redskins. Who, who do you talk to? Is it Scott? Are you trying to get to Jay? Are you trying to get to Bruce? Are you trying to get to Dan? Like, who would you actually, because we, we know for us, media, we don't get to talk to any of them. Yeah. So if I, was, if I was someone trying to get something done with the Redskins organization, who would I want to talk to? Eric Schaefer. So tell the money for folks man. for folks that don't know, explain Eric Schaefer's role. The uh, essentially the the contract capologist is that a fair? I'm trying to think of a fair word. Yeah, to to use for him. Most like most closely aligned with Bruce. <clears throat> right. Works with Bruce. Works on the cap numbers. Yep. He's the one who's going to give the financial approval. Yes. He's the yay or nay. Like that we can make this work, or you can do this, but you know, con- consider it's, him the the advisor, right? The the guy that's telling the guys, yeah, okay, you can sign Josh Norman. We can structure it this way. It'll work. You'll be you'll be okay. Here's the downside. Here's the plus side. But he's very good at that, and yeah. I think uh, well respected in the league for that. And you know that that do, he doesn't have the power to say yay or nay or we're going after this guy. But the the, the sometimes Craig the counselor is as, as big as the uh, the guy who's making the decision. 
That's, that's really interesting. That is not an answer I would have expected. Otherwise, I would have I would have put it on the board. That wasn't a setup for you to just look <laughs> like a genius and give a surprise answer. That was that was me thinking that it was going to be either Dan or or sorry Bruce or or Scott. So what? I guess most I'll ask the fan follow up that most fans probably then hear that and go, well, what 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 what's McLuhan's role then? Like what's I, what's Scott's role in that? I think the the Jerry Brewer column was was pretty spot on this week in the Washington Post. Uh, Jerry's a guy who's known Scott for a long time from their yeah. days in Seattle, um, and the 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 signals of what Scott's job is were there even the day he was hired um, that he would you know. Calling him a super scout sounds like we're dismissing him, but it's not. It, it really isn't. It's that he is, um, he has a special gift for finding players and understanding who can play at this level. Um, and the Redskins were in desperate need of that. Uh, but it doesn't mean that he was given full power. It doesn't mean that he right. was. You know, you get you get to pick every, all fifty three men on the roster. You get to pick the coach. You get let. Example number one, how much did the scouting staff change when he came in? Zippo. In the uh, Seth Wickersham article in ESPN, a month before he was hired, what what did Scott say he wanted to do? I, I'm making a list of people I want to bring in for my next job. Well, that didn't happen. How come yeah. it didn't happen? It's a great question. <clears throat> now, Maybe, Scott, maybe think, you can ask someone at the combine. Yeah, if you maybe a if I talk. run into somebody, it'll have to be at a, a bar after hours probably, yeah. but maybe I can find out. But <clears throat> ultimately... Craig, that that clearly he didn't get that power. Now, you work with what you're given, and I think he's turned the Redskins scouting staff or at least tried to mold them, and he's he's spoken openly of this, tried to show them how I want. This is the kind of player I want. Go. This is what we look for. And so he didn't, maybe he ultimately decided that wasn't a fight worth having. I don't need to bring in my own people. I can show these guys, you know, Scott Campbell and the amateur scouting staff, what I am looking for, and the ones that are are good will bring bring that back to me, and I think that's kind of his role, and and certainly the liaison between the coaching staff and upper management, and and all that. It, I'm not saying he's not powerful or doesn't have a big um, say in things. It's just not the final say the way the and Scott we trust crowd maybe thinks. Oh, the intrigue! It's always yeah. it's always always. And by, by the way, that's fine if everybody's on board with that. Right. If everybody's not on board with that, then... And if it's working, because we're a results-oriented business. Absolutely. And they've won 17 games in two years, so, you know, it's to a certain extent been working. You have a playoff, you have a division title. Now, though, you have a lot of big decisions to make, and if that structure is at all not not on point, if there's anything off-kilter, now is where it's going to show up, and that's an issue. Appreciate you coming in, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Craig Hoppin with you. That's Brian McNally, Redskins beat reporter. This is 106.7 The Fan. We wrap the show, though, with this bit of fun. It's a segment we call Real Things Real People Said Into Real Microphones. And JaVale McGee's been in the news this week because he's been feuding with Shaq and Kevin Durant got involved. And it's, it's a whole bleep show of nonsense. Um, and that's that's fun and fine. But I, I want to play this. And I, I have not heard this yet. I don't know if it's good or not. We're going to find out together, which is an exciting thing to do. But I saw it cross my Twitter timeline earlier this morning and was like, I want to hear this. Aras Goldonwude is the sideline reporter for the Warriors' local broadcast. She's fantastic. Uh, and, and she, for some reason, though, decided to let JaVale, or JaVale just took the mic, let, let 
JaVale interview her. So let's enjoy this together. So uh, this is a great game. We got the win. How do you feel about how I performed, I guess? I thought you were very impressive off the bench. A lot of energy, as always. Yes, I try to bring the energy when I go out there. So as, as you came to the game, what made you wear this nice ensemble that you have on today? <laughs> you know what? I just wanted to wear color with the braid, which is new. Do you like the braid? I like the dress. I like the dress. You don't like the braid? Ooh. I got some wild braids in my hair, too. So we're, we're twins on that. That is true. JaVale does have, like, the little goofy braid. Like, he's got a shaved head and a braid. It's a little baby braid because he's JaVale McGee. And you just, you never know what's going to happen with JaVale McGee. Oh, Roz. Roz, I love Roz. She's fantastic. I, I know her minimally. Um, but Roz, Roz, you broke rule number one. Never give up the mic. You hold on to that thing with dear life, even if a seven-foot basketball-playing human is trying to take it from you. Um, also, I think this is from the same game. Uh, last night, the, uh, the, the Warriors played the Nets, which were the worst. It's the best team versus the worst team. And the Warriors, with their win, clinched a playoff spot. Earliest that's ever been done in NBA history. I remind you that, A, they won 73 games last year, and they still hadn't clinched yet. And, B, it's February, and they've already clinched a playoff spot. Um, And uh, they also won a fan a lot of money. And by they, I mean Steph Curry. Uh, Let me hear this, and then if I have to explain what we're hearing, I will. I'll have to explain. Okay, so let me just explain on the front end. Because, again, I watched this video, but I didn't get a chance to hear it. So, basically, there's a woman, and she's got, it's like a bowling thing. And and she's got, like, a little, like, palm-sized basketball that she's supposed to roll up a ramp and then into the garbage can. And she's at one free throw line, and little rampy things at the other. And, uh... The first, like, four tries, she didn't even hit the ramp. Like, hey, give yourself a shot, lady. Eventually, eventually she got one to ramp up, and she got, she got an assist from a guy who's good at putting the ball in the basket. What will she get tonight? All right, come on. You got a second chance, Carly. Come on. Let's go, oh. Carly. Come on, Carly. You can do this. Make some noise for it. This is double. This is worth money. What is that? Okay. <laughs> We're gonna give it to her. She yes, that was an assist. All right, let's do it. All right, so you gesture to- came in the break and told me, "Hey, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to help out because that guy sucked at his job." I'm sure it was fine in the arena. I don't know if that was the best the best sound for the segment. Basically, that's 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 my fault. I apologize. I apologize. Steph Curry, who is wearing a towel over his head, comes out, catches the ball off the ramp because the woman finally hit it, and then throws the ball into the, I think it was the $2,500 basket. And so they gave her $2,500. Does Steph have to pay for that? Does that come out of his contract? It wouldn't hurt him. No, he'd be all right. He's got the Under Armour money. Now, if you didn't explain it. As long as he doesn't have it in stock. Right. If there was no explanation and we just played that audio and we had a killer prize to give away and you could guess whatever the hell it was that that guy just talked about, you should win the prize because you have no idea. You don't know what she yeah. was doing. But his job wasn't to be like, he's not a radio play-by-play I know, guy. I know. And but- Carly steps up and throws the ball off the ramp. Oh, it's coming in at a 15-degree <laughs> angle. Could you? Oh, man. 
He didn't say Steph Curry. He just said an assist. What assist? Give right. me something. <laughs> right. Well, for our purposes, yes. But right. he's he's an inner inner in arena hype guy. It's not designed for reproduction on radio. Um, you want to know what would be amazing though? Kevin Harlan calling that. Kevin Harlan's got more appearances on this segment than any other human being. That would be hilarious. <laughs> see if real quick, see if you can find the beef promo. I think it was from last week. If not, it's two weeks ago. Kevin Harlan's a play-by-play guy from CBS and Turner Sports and, and Westwood One. He calls the Super Bowl here on the fan and, and all the other places that the Super Bowl is heard on the radio in English in this country. And Kevin Harlan loves his own voice. And if I was Kevin Harlan, I would too. Coming new to Burger King, beef and bacon. You got it? Yeah, this is Kevin And Harlan. introducing the new Bacon King Sandwich. Six strips of crispy bacon piled atop a half pound of 100% beef only at Burger King. Oh, I can tell. I can tell. This is a blow. Yeah, Reggie Miller's like, yeah, this is a blow. That was the Wizards uh, Thunder game a couple weeks ago. Imagine him going, and Carly steps to the line, throws it up. Here the ball comes, rolling end over end at a 15-degree angle up off the ramp. And, oh, Steph Curry's caught the ball, and he throws it in. It's not a very accurate Harlan, but you get the point. Uh, what else did I did we have for this this shenanigans of a segment to end the show? That is this this is going this is going swimmingly. I must say. Sometimes I feel like the bus that I'm driving is out of control, and this one I have an, like my feet are kicked up on the wheel. We have more more sound. I thought there was oh Bill Walton. That's what we had. Did I even save it? No. Bill Walton took off his shirt in the middle of a game last night that he was calling, and you should go watch the video online. We got it. Oh, we do have Bill Walton. Going to break. This was Bill Walton. Ball, tons of other stars. Oh, please. I've got to go get change. Excuse me. Keep Austin here. Thank you for the beautiful shirt. And so we put it on. The man, the man took off one tie-dye shirt in the, while broadcasting a, a basketball game on television. And uh, and put on put on a keep Austin weird shirt that Tom Herman, the coach of Texas, gave him. All right, I've had better segments than that, but that's okay. Sometimes the worst. Levitard has, Dan Levitard has a saying: When you're bad, you know, when we're good, we're good. When we're bad, we're really good. I hope that bad was really good. I hope you were entertained. That'll do just fine for this here Best of Hoffman Show edition. Thanks very much for checking it out. If you liked it, subscribe on iTunes, rate and review. Say nice things. If you didn't, what did your mother tell you about having nice things to say? You know, if you don't have them, then don't say anything at all. Uh, Coming up on the Health Fitness Podcast, the Train with the Best Podcast this week, NFL Combine Prep with Chris Gores and Lorenzo Alexander. And Dennis Logan of Exos, the king of Combine Prep. So that is coming tomorrow, Monday, as I sit here recording this on a Sunday. If you're listening to this on Monday or later in the week, then go to trainergorez.com because that podcast is probably out. Everything you want to know about NFL Combine Prep. Uh, Other than that, appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Go to hoffmanshow.com for a schedule of when I'll be on live this week. Yay, live radio.